Well, good morning. This morning we're going to move into chapter 2, but in reality we're finishing chapter 1. Uh, the first three verses of, uh, of, uh, of chapter 2 uh, conclude Paul or Paul. Peter's section on holiness. Uh, this, these are the final verses on that 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 theme of holiness that uh, that runs through beginning beginning in chapter in verse thirteen of chapter one and then running through uh, running through chapter or verse three of chapter two. That's that's uh, and so that's what we're going to be finishing up this morning as we look at that. Uh, here he's here he is giving this final exhortation on holiness that instructs believers. Uh, to to about their mindset of ridding themselves of a of a sinful mindset and focusing their attention on the word of God, uh, which which he had already spoken about in verse twenty five, where he said, "But the word of the Lord endures forever." Uh, that that whole theme is going to run through these three verses, and he puts it in the in the uh, context. The metaphor he is going to use is nutrition. Uh, which is why I uh, I named uh, the the sermon or the message this morning the believer's nutrition and and put everything under that under that heading. He's going to tell us that uh, uh, that basically we are to feed on the milk of the word. That's that's the idea that's going to run through is the main theme of this text. In fact, that is the command. This is an excerpt. This is a this is an imperative uh, that uh, we're going to be looking at as we as we move through this text. So be, before we get there and before we get started on that, are there any uh, particular prayer requests this morning? I, uh, in the, the world we live in today, and if you uh, ever turn on television and watch any commercials for any amount of time, uh, there are generally uh, a dozen or so within a few minutes uh, that deal with nutrition. Or they deal with eating, or deal with food products, and they uh, they claim different things about them. Or they or they're advertising a diet. Or for those of us that are too lazy to exercise and eat properly, there's some pill that magically causes you to have a perfect form and fit and all that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, uh, the whole uh, we we tend to be uh, somewhat uh, obsessed with food uh, and what uh, what is to how it is to be done. Uh, there's one silly milk commercial where a little girl dances around going, it's outside, you know, and it's kind of like <laughs> anticlimactic almost. But uh, but it, but at any rate, uh, there's this all this stuff about food. And uh, uh, there's an old saying that goes something like this. He says, you are what you eat. And uh, I've kind of seen that. You've probably experienced that. People who eat very unhealthy and then are very unhealthy. I had a guy on my crew when I was running the police garage that, uh, that basically uh, all he ate was fast food, you know, three times a day. And, and he didn't eat, you know, a single patty. It was several. And, and he was overweight and he was, he was diabetic and he, was, he had gout. And he basically had to retire very early because his health was so so bad. He couldn't he couldn't do his job. He couldn't work. You know that's just the reality is uh, of 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 abusing food. So as we come to the text today, uh, Peter is going to talk about the nutrition that a believer needs to have a proper spiritual life. 
And the first thing he's going to talk about is the preparation to receive that nourishment. Uh, Some things that need to be done prior to coming to the dinner table, if you will. I had five sons, and you would tell them to go wash their hands, and that generally consisted, and if you have boys, you probably know this, it generally consisted of running their hands under the water and wiping them off on their pants. Uh, uh, But uh, here, uh, Peter is going to be very graphic about what we are to do uh, prior to coming to the table, and that's verse 1. He says, therefore, laying aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. The first thing we see here is, and I've, one of my favorite biblical words, and incidentally it's used 303 times in the New Testament in the NASB. I didn't count them, I looked it up, but uh, anyway. uh, uh, Is therefore, and what's it therefore? And he says, therefore, well the therefore primarily refers back to verses verses 22 through 25 in chapter 1 where he, where he told us since you have been obedient to the, pure, uh, the truth purified your souls for a love of the brethren without hypocrisy fervently love one another from the heart for you have been born again that's the key here is you've been born again and then verse 25 is the the second part of that key not of corruptible seed but incorruptible that is through the living enduring word of god and then he goes on to compare life to grass and he's and and it's it's shortness and then in verse 25 he says but the word of god endures forever and this is the word that was preached to you the good news i.e the gospel is what he's saying so he's saying therefore based upon the fact that you have been born again you've been called into this supernatural love for the brethren. The word there is apagapo. It's the God love. It's the, it's the strongest form of love. He says, since you've been called to that supernatural love because you've been born again by the word of God. And he told us back in verse 1 that we were chosen before the creation ever was by the foreknowledge of God. And then he, and he, and he said we were then sanctified by the spirit sprinkled by the blood of Christ. And even back then in verse 3 he, 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 he he introduced this whole concept of being born again when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Based upon his resurrection, we have new life. That's, that's the idea here. He, he's telling us. He says, he says, therefore, and then in verses 13 and 16, he says, having girded your mind for action, being sober in spirit, fixing your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not being conformed to the former lust, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all, conduct, in all your conduct, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And the therefore is basically in calling us to, therefore, based upon the fact that you have been called into the family of God as His child, you should resemble your parentage, holiness. There should be a family resemblance here. There should be traits that go on uh, that, uh, that, that typify who you are. That's what he's saying here. You know, there's a big, uh, big move today. I, you see it all the time. They even have it now for your dog. But uh, uh, to try track your heritage, track your DNA, you know, you, you, you 
put some saliva in a tube and send it to somebody and they come back and tell you wherever you've been from. I haven't done it, but my children have. I knew I was going to come out. You know, I, I, I know my heritage, so I know where it was going to come out. We're Scotch-Irish, you know, with a little bit of English, a little bit of Welsh, and a tiny bit of Norwegian because the Vikings invaded Scotland at one time. Uh, but at any rate, but at any rate, that's 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 where it came out, you know. Okay, big deal. Uh, but uh, but uh, that's a big deal is 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 today. People trying to find out their heritage. Well, our heritage is the holy God of the universe, the sovereign God who called us into his family. And therefore, therefore, we are to show a semblance to him. We are to be holy because he is holy. Uh, we are to have that kind of, of set-apartness for him. Uh, we should ex- typify, exemplify him in all that we do. And then he goes on here in verse 2, and he says, Therefore, based on all the above, all the above, you were born again through the word of God, which is eternal, uh, which was proclaimed, uh, proclaimed to you by the gospel, the good news. He said, Therefore, based upon all that we've said so far in chapter 1, therefore, it reminds, it reminds us, Two, that the believer, uh, that uh, or it reminds the believer that God's word reveals a saving power and provides power to live the life that He has called us to live in Christ. Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen, which I suspect are very familiar verses to you. All scriptures God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what the Word of God does. Uh, it it prepares us for life. It prepares us uh, to to face the challenges that are set before us. It it gives us the power to live the life Christ has called us to. Therefore, he says, therefore. We are to lay aside. That's the next word that he says. We're to lay aside. This is a, a word that means to put off, to get rid of, maybe shed, uh, those, those kind of ideas. Uh, it also could convey the concept of giving up something, not giving up as in the sense of surrender, but of giving up something. Uh, it's, it's a word that, that in secular Greek meant to Basically, take off your coat. I meant to shed clothes. That, that's the idea behind this word. Uh, that's, 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 uh, and that's exactly how it's used in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, where it speaks of the, of the men who had come to stone Stephen, laid their coats at the feet of Saul. Uh, that's the same word. That's the word that's, that's, that is being used here. It's used in Romans chapter 13, verse 12, where it's, it's translated as cast off in the NASB. And it, it, it basically there says to cast off all darkness. In other words, all evil is the idea that's, that's being expressed in that particular text. In Ephesians chapter 4, 22 through 25, and Colossians 3, 8, it it's, gives us a list like it is going to do here of sinful things that need to be put off. 
Uh, These are no longer to be a part of the believer's life. They're to be put off. Therefore, put these things away. Uh, Do away with them. Rid yourself of them is the idea. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, this same word is used to say to, to, to put off any weight of encumbrance. And he, he illustrates that as a runner. Uh, be stripped down to running weight, you know. He uses the same concept of a soldier. You don't go into combat carrying anything you don't have to carry. You know, that's especially if an infantryman, because you've got to walk carrying all that stuff. You know, you only carry what you need is the idea. And that's what he's saying here in the Hebrews. Lay aside every weight of encumbrance. And in James... Chapter 1, verse 21, it says to lay apart all filthiness. Once again, it's, it's a reference to sinful ways and sinful attitudes and sinful behaviors. That's the idea here. We're to, rid, <clears throat> we're to rid ourselves of those things which keep us from being spiritually healthy is the, is the idea uh, that, that Peter is expressing for us in this, in this, first, in this, in this word, laying aside. In other words, keeping it in our nutrition idea, it's uh, don't go in the kitchen and eat a bunch of junk food before dinner. You know, that's the idea here. Uh, don't fill yourself with, with junk, but feed on that which is profitable. And he's going to say now what it is we're to lay aside. And first he says, the first thing he says is malice. Uh, he says malice. Um, in Matthew six thirty seven, this word is translated trouble. In Acts eight twenty two, and in James one uh, James one twenty one, it's it's translated wickedness. It's uh, it's a general term for wickedness. It's a general term for for sinful things. And in, in this instance, he's referring to these things as mental attitudes. But we know that mental attitudes that are festered and kept turn into actions James chapter 1 verses 13 through 26 that that uh, they transfer thoughts transfer into actions is the idea and so he's saying that cut them off cut them off at the base is the idea here and he, and he says and he, and you'll notice too that three times he's going to say all that means everything it means all of it get rid of all of it and here he says all malice uh, he uses all malice here and he says it's 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 a it's the idea of desiring to harm someone else and it, it's basically just a general idea of wickedness uh, it's kind of the concept of getting even it's vengefulness uh uh, and, uh, you know, quite frankly, stop and think about it. How many times has somebody done something to you and you've said in your mind about, you know, I'd like to take that guy out and we'll fill in the blank, you know, yeah, that that kind of idea. Or you see something, you hear something on the news and it's, well, da, 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 you know, you, those are those are it's, that's malice. Uh, that's malice. And what he's saying is, you're not to let that fester. You're not to, you're to put that off. You're to get rid of all of that kind of thinking. You're not to allow malice, this general term for general evil, uh, to, to fester within you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, 
nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And there the idea is leaven is is being equated to sinful ways. And he's calling it malice and wickedness. That's that's the, the idea here. He says that's not to be a part. That's not to be a part of the makeup of the child of God. He's not to be someone who is looking to get even, who is looking for revenge, who is looking to do harm for somebody else, who is even thinking it. When that guy cut you off on the freeway, not even thinking it. That's that's the idea here. He says. Secondly, he says he says all deceit. This is an interesting term. It's a fishing term. It means to bait a hook. It speaks of bait. It's to not let someone bait you into something is the idea here. Uh, this is. Uh, I was thinking about this. You know, it, the, the idea here is guile, dishonesty, falsehood, or treachery. It's used in in Acts 30, uh, 13, 10, where uh, Paul confronts the magician and tells him that he was full of deceit and fraud. And I, and I I don't know about you, but my phone identifies things that call. You know, and I bet you ten times a day it says spam call. You know, and then I get these things on my computer about uh, some account that I need to do something about right now. And I look at it and I go, I don't even know who these people are. I don't have an account with them. You know, they're, they're called phishing, you know. And if you respond, they get your bank account and they clean you out. That's this word. That's this word. It's deceitfulness. It's, it's to hook you, to hook you in for, for harmful, dishonest, false trickery is the idea behind this. Uh, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing uh, that, he, that he's talking about. Secondly, the next two terms he uses, both hypocrisy and envy, the way they're written in the English Bible, they're written as singular, but in Greek there are plurals. It's hypocrisies and envies, um, which, which rather than putting the all in front of it, he just made it plural in this case. Uh, but it's the same kind of idea. It's every one of them. Get rid of all hypocrisies is the idea here. And, and it, it, refers, it refers in secular Greek to the stage. It, it refers to an actor, somebody who's putting on a character. Generally, it was a character that wore a mask, something that camouflaged who one is, is the idea here. This is, this is the idea of this term. <clears throat> it's someone who is um, insecure, insincere, uh, who is full of pretense, uh, who is pretending to be that which he is not. Jesus in Matthew 15, 7 through 8, called the Pharisees. He said, you hypocrites. Isaiah in 29, 13 said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Uh, this is, I, I don't know about you, but my mailbox is full of campaign ads. You know? There is the height of hypocrisy. <laughs> every one of them. They're, every one of them is somebody putting on a face trying to tell you who they are, and the other one is telling you who they're not, and then telling you who they are. I mean, it's all hypocrisy. You know, uh, 
My, Zephyr Tim. But I haven't got any campaign flyers from him. Well, he didn't get it. I guess I let him put a sign in my yard, so he did. He didn't send it to yeah. But anyway, you know, he's the only guy I've ever let put a campaign sign in my yard. I, I've never before, and I, you know, it was, it was, I've always said no. And I always tell him, I didn't even let Ronald Reagan put a sign in my yard, you know. But, uh, but, uh, uh, but I worked for the city, and there was a city truck sitting in my yard all the time, you know. And it was like, eh, that wouldn't be a good idea, you know. That wouldn't be a good idea. But, uh, that, oh, well, anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, now I can, but I really don't want to. But in his case, I did. Because <laughs> I really don't want the other gal to win. <laughs> I don't want her to be my councilman. Uh, but at any rate, at any rate, uh, at any rate, he, he, that, that's the idea here. We, we see this all the time. In my case, those campaign flows don't even make it into the house. I generally go straight to the trash can with them because I know I'm going to vote for anyway. I don't need their posters. So anyhow, anyhow, it's hypocrisies. It's putting on a mask. It's hiding who you are. It's not being real. It's, it's a pretense. It's trying to make out that you're somebody you're not. That's the idea here. And then secondly, it's envy, or envies in this case, as, as it is in the Greek, it's a plural. It's envies. It's, it's a, and it's, envy here doesn't mean, and I think very often we think this, envy doesn't mean, wow, that's a really nice house. I wish I had one like that. That's not envy. That's not what this word means. It doesn't mean that I really like something you have and I wish I could have something like that. It doesn't mean that. It means I want yours. That's what it means. It means you shouldn't have it. I should have it. It should be taken from you and given to me. Today, in our political arena, we call it social justice. It's envy. That's what it is. And incidentally, it is the exact opposite of thankfulness. That's, that's, what it, that's, that's the idea here. And this often leads to holding a grudge. It leads to hatred. It leads to violence. It is the thought behind every thief. I want it because I deserve it and you don't. That's that's the idea. That's the idea here. That's that's the picture. Peter is saying that does that picture doesn't fit a child of God. That's not a family resemblance in the family of God that you have been called into that you have been reborn into. That's that's what he's telling him here. And then the last one that he brings up, and he puts the all back in it. This one isn't a plural. It's a singular. Uh, he says, all slander. That's, that's the, final, the final one that he brings up. All slander. Uh, a slander is speech that is intended to harm another person's reputation or status. It's sometimes called gossip. It's sometimes called backbiting. Uh, it's usually done behind someone's back. That's why it's called backbiting. Uh, because you, you don't do it, you know, it's not a confrontation with someone. It's something you'd say to other people other than the individual you're talking about. Uh, it's, 
basically equal to defamation of character is is the idea of this word. That's that's the idea behind this word. In chapter two, verse twelve, he's going to. We'll get to this in a couple of weeks, but he says, by keeping your conduct excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the things which they slander you as evildoers, they may be because of your good works, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. And then in chapter three, verse sixteen, he is going to again say. Having a good conscience so that in the things in which you are slandered, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. That's that's the idea. Understand, you. I think you know very well the world slanders us all the time. Uh, it, it went on in Rome. You, you realize, I think you probably, most of you have been around a, long, a while, probably have heard this before, but the Romans actually used to think Christians were cannibals because of the communion table. They misunderstood it, and they would. They said that they thought they were cannibalistic because of it. Go figure. But anyway, anyway, here it's all slander. I, I uh, a guy I knew. Well, I still know him. I don't associate with him. But anyway, this was one of the things he would do whenever there was somebody who he wanted somehow had faulted him, or felt it faulted him, or wanted. Uh, wanted to get his way over, he would go around slandering them. He would make statements about them, uh, you know, and he might have access to something, and he would he try to use that uh, to get a leg up. Well, that's slander, defamation of character, trying to reduce someone's reputation or status. That's the idea here. Well, that's also not to be as members of the family of God. Born again people, people who are born anew of the Spirit by the Spirit through the and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are to act the way our family acts in holiness, uh, and basically keeping in our theme of nutrition. It's we're not to eat the world's junk food. That's that's what he's that's what he's telling us here. He says, he says, therefore, we need to lay aside the junk of this world and dine on what is healthy. And he's going to now tell us what is fit nourishment in in verse two. He says, as we come to verse two, it says, like newborn babes longing for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. We're going to start with the long for. We're going to jump kind of in the middle here because the long for is the verb in this in this text. It's the controlling verb in this text. It's an imperative. It's a command. Long for. That's that's what that's the order. That's the marching orders we are being given here. And as that controlling verb, it makes verse one an imperative as well. Even though verse 1 is not in the imperative mode, this verb makes it an imperative. All of these things are to be, you're ordered to get them out of your life. That's basically basically what this is saying here. So this is our controlling verb over, over, uh, over everything in verse 1. And it, it is the, the verb here, too. It's the, it's the, it's the imperative. It's the, it's the, it's the command. And it, and it, and the word long for means to, to strongly desire or crave something. That's the idea here. It's a, it's a burning desire. 
Not necessarily in a negative sense, as as it's used here. It could be, but not here. Um, it uh, it uh, it's a craving for something, not chocolate in this case, but it's a craving for something. Uh, that's that's the idea here. It's used by Paul seven times, and it's always used by him as a as that a passionate desire for something. Uh, it's used by James once, and it's used here by Peter. So it's used about nine times in in the New Testament. Uh, Peter uses it uses it in in excuse me. Paul uses it in the Second Timothy one four, speaking of his longing to see Timothy, longing to see you. It's that kind of thing. It was a desire. He wanted to see Timothy. He really wanted to be around Timothy. That's that's the idea there. It's a ver- it's a word that can be used to speak of the relationship between husband and wife, desire for one another, di- for uh, desire for, for for your children. Uh, it's it's used that way. It's uh, very often a word that's associated with lost loved ones, the desire to see them again. Uh, it's it's very often used too with unbelieving relatives and friends, the desire to see them to come to salvation. It's a very strong term, uh, and that's uh, and that's the command, and and that that's the idea here. And he's now going to exp- he's going to use a metaphor to express to express that that command. He says, like a newborn baby. Who longs for the pure milk of the word? Incidentally, this is not a not to be seen as the level of maturity of these believers, as in Hebrews chapter chapter five, where he compares meat to milk. Uh, that's not the idea here at all. It doesn't matter what level of believer you are; you should be starving to death like a newborn babe all the time. That's that's the idea here. Uh, this is the this is the picture of a baby. Uh, who who wants to be fed. Now, all of you who have children know this one, especially in the early morning hours. Kathy and I had a routine. She planned it. I followed it. It was that when he, when he or she, we had a lot of he's, but anyway, when he or she woke up in the middle of the night, I got up and got the baby and gave it to her. And then I got up and put it back. <laughs> that was the plan. It was that way. It was a shared experience. You understand? Uh, and we both lost sleep <laughs> ultimately. But that was the that was the idea. When that baby wakes up at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, he wants to eat, and he wants to eat now. And there's no reason he shouldn't. In his thinking or her thinking, that that's the picture here. That's the picture here. That baby's desire for milk is the idea here. Every time they get hungry, it's as if their life depended on it at that moment, and there's no reason to wait. That's the desire that Peter is saying we are to have. That's the the craving and the longing that we are to have for the Word of God. As if our life depended on it. Oh, by the way, it does. It says, we are to long for, desire, crave the word of God as if our life depended on it. Because it does. And it's, it's how we maintain spiritual health. That's, that's the idea. It's the diet we are to be on. 
if you will. And then he, and he, and he speaks of this milk as pure. He, he says it's pure. Uh, this is a word that, uh, that means unadulterated, uncontaminated. That which is unmixed contains no additives. That's the idea here. It's the real thing. That, that's, and it's not Coke. It's the real thing. That's the idea here. It's, it's pure milk. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. Uh, there is the warning in the, closing, in the closing text of Scripture. In those closing words, it tells us, don't take anything away and don't add anything to it. It is the Word of God. It's not to be, it's not to be diminished. It's not to be added to. It's to be pure. It's to remain consistent in its purity. It, 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 notes, it notes an absence of fraud or deceit. Jesus in, in chapter 1 of John, chapter 1, verse 47, said of Nathaniel that he was an, an Israelite in whom there was no deceit. In other words, he was a man of purity, is what he is, what he is saying there. And that's what that's the way we are to that's the way where we are to see this. This milk is to be pure. It's the word of God. The unadulterated, unmixed word of God is the idea that is being expressed here. Unfortunately, in our world today and in the Christian world today, that's not always the case. Uh, there are tons of churches meeting this morning. Well, anyway, they call themselves churches. Uh, but they're meeting this morning, and the Word of God is very much butchered. I, I, think, I think I told you this before, but I, I grew up in, in the United Methodist Church. We left it about the time I became a teenager, somewhere in there. Uh, but uh, the, uh, uh, the morning service was generally based something like this. We sang a bunch of hymns, and everything was very all robes and stained glass and all kinds of spiritual stuff, you know. Uh, and uh, the pastor would go to a, a lect, would go to a to a lectern where a big, huge Bible set, and he would read a verse out of that Bible, maybe a verse. And then he would go over to the other pulpit where he would preach on something that had nothing to do with the Word of God. Yeah. That's that's the way it went. That's the way it went. There, there are other churches where they're taking the word of God and they are, you know, by the way, don't do this. They're, they're ripping a verse out of its context and then they're trying to tell you this means this, this, and the other thing. And just remember that a text without a context is a pretext. It's always the truth. You, you don't do that. You don't do that. Now, you may proof text a text you're dealing with with a single text, but you don't make a doctrine out of a text. That's, that's just not done. But he's saying it's to be without deceit. It's to be no additives. It's to be pure. And then he says the word of God, which is interesting because he doesn't use logos here. He uses lakanos. Which is the same word that is used in Romans 12.1, where it's translated, depending on your translation, spiritual or reasonable. Uh, it's, a word, it's a word that, that in its basic concept in, in secular Greek, meant belonging to speech or reason. Um, it would say, in this case, pure rational milk or pure reasonable milk. 
but it conveys the concept of Scripture because Peter probably had in mind here when he was using this Psalms 19, 8 through 9 or Psalms 119, 40, where, where it says that the Word of God is pure or clean. And that's the idea that he's, he's expressing here. The rabbis very often referred to the Word of God as the milk of God. And that's, Peter would be eminently familiar with that. And those are the ideas here. Uh, he's, he's, basically, he's, basically, he's basically saying the Word of God is the spiritual nutrient, the pure spiritual nutrient necessary for proper Christian growth. That's, that's, that's what he's trying to convey here. In verse 23, he says, For you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. That's been his theme. Uh, in verse 25, he says that the Word of the Lord endures forever, and it's the Word that was proclaimed to you. So that's the, the concept that runs through this, is, is the focus on the Word of God, even though he used a slightly different word to convey it here. The command here is to have a strong, continuous longing for the Word of God that we might live a godly life. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Jeremiah wrote, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me joy and gladness in my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Yahweh, God of hosts. Uh, that's, that's the idea here. That's the, that's the concept we should have. That's the way we should feel about it. Jesus said, that, said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's, that's the idea that he wants us to understand as we come, as we come to this this part of the text. He, he says, you know, we, we've already said this, you are what you eat. You eat junk food, it equals malnutrition, weak worldly believers. Pure spiritual milk, the word of God produces strong, fit, faithful believers. That's, that's what Peter is, is driving at here in this, in, this, in this text. And then he goes on and he talks about the final uh, the final result of that nourishment, and in verse in verse tw- in verse three, he says, "If you have tasted the goodness of the Lord," it's kind of an interesting verse here. Um, if you ha- if you, and I really hope you don't, but if you are um, uh, aficionados of the uh, NIV, it says, "Now that you have," uh, this particular word, "if," although. of the time, the Greek word here is translated in English, if it can be translated for. Um, Which in one case, if the if, as it is in the NASB, it is in the EVS, and it is in the LVS, uh, it's a conditional statement. He's saying, if this is true of you. If this is true of you. Uh, now, the whole text has been talking to believers, so four is not inappropriate because they are believers. Um, that, that's the reality. But, he's, but he's, he's throwing this in. Look, if, you, if, you're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is true. 
that's 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 the idea here. So the if is not inconsistent. It's it's okay. Both and both of them end up in the same place. So take it how you want, but I'm going to stay with the if. He's basically saying, if you have tasted, if you're a believer, you've tasted the goodness of God. That's what he's saying here. Uh, If you've feasted on the Word of God, if you've been nourished by the Word of God, if you prepared yourself for dinner, came to dinner, then you've tasted the goodness of God. That's really the idea here. In Psalms 34.8, the psalmist wrote, Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. That's the idea here. That, that's, that's what he's wanting us to see as he comes to this. And we note that the text all the way through this is believers. And so, that, so then more than reality for 99% of them, this this is the proper. Uh, this is uh, this is the the condition has been na- made. They ha- met. They have tasted. And they have experienced. And it, and the idea is it should re- result in an even deeper desire for more goodness of God. In other words, the more you eat, the more you want to eat. Is kind of the idea here. Is is kind of the idea that he's that he's that he's expressing here. And then the other thing is it, it kind of calls us, and something I have taught for a long time, and I, I think it's, it's important for all believers, is, is that it calls us to remember our history with God. You should always keep that in mind. Keep in mind where you have come with God, how you have come through things with God, especially when you're in trouble. You know, especially when when things have not gone right and you think your world is falling apart, take a minute and recount the faithfulness of God. That's 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 an important thing uh, to do. Psalms chapter forty, verses one through five. I hope earnest. I I hoped earnestly for Yahweh, and He inclined. And he inclined to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a high rock. He established my steps. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in Yahweh. How blessed is the man who has made Yahweh his trust and has not turned to be proud, nor nor to those who stray into falsehood. Many, O Yahweh, my God, are the wondrous deeds you have done, and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. I would declare and speak of them, but they are too numerous to recount. Well, I'm saying recount them in your mind mm-hmm. is the idea here. Uh, that's the idea. That's You've tasted the goodness of God, remember it and desire more of it. That's, that's what this text is calling us to. Peter is basically telling us that believers, the believers, regardless of their spiritual maturity, where they are in the spectrum, if there is one, uh, where they are in that spectrum of maturity, uh, and it would suggest that maturity should continue on the increase. That's really what the New Testament teaches. We are being changed from glory to glory. None of us have arrived. Uh, Not if we're standing here. But we must continue 
uh, to grow more and become stronger and long even more for God's word. The more I study it, the more I should want to study it is, is the idea here. Peter has exhorted us, starting in verse 1-3, he's, he's told us to pursue holiness in, chapter, in verses 3-21 through 21 of, verse, of chapter 1. He says, we're to look like the family we belong to. That's, that's the idea there. We're to, we're to have the family traits of holiness, of purity. That's, that's the idea. And he says, secondly, in verses 22 through 25, as that family, we're to fervently love one another. That should mark us. That should be known. The world should be able to see that. Jesus said that's how they'll know us by our love for one another. That's, that's the idea. That's what Peter is saying here. We're to fervently love one another. And then finally in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he calls us to a continuing and growing desire to know God better through his word. To continually taste his goodness. To continually be nourished on the word, the pure word of God. Milk of God's Word. I got that backwards. But anyway, you have to be continually nourished on the milk of God's Word. Any comments or questions this morning? Oh, I, I do have one. Um, in verse 2, Yeah. my Bible says that, it, that you may grow into salvation. Uh, yeah, the EVS says with respect to salvation. It, it, yeah, it's a result of, it, basically, it's the same concept. You know, it doesn't mean this isn't working toward your salvation. Right. That's, that's, never the con, that's never the context. It's basically growing. It's the idea of growing in your salvation. We're constantly, it's the whole process of sanctification is what he's talking about. And, and he just put it in that term uh, because that's, that's what he's been talking about. He's been talking about here, here, here's how we're saved. Well, that salvation can, continues on. As we study the word of God, we understand our salvation more. Uh, we're not going to understand it fully until we go home, and even then we'll probably take a couple million years. But anyway, uh, to understand the because we're never going to fully understand the mind of God. But nevertheless, nevertheless, that that's the idea here. It's not it's not a, an idea of of of. Uh, Getting to the point you are saved, it's you are saved, and as you are saved, you grow in that. You you continue in that. It's the whole concept of being changed from glory to glory. It's the sanctification process. That okay. okay. Just as a general comment, I love how you set up verse one in there of all the things to put off. But I love that the antidote implied there is the word of God. So those things to be filled up with. Yeah. Your knowledge of the Word of God will not leave room for envy to see you. Exactly. Precisely. That's it. Precisely. That's that's where we're to go. Well, let's close. Lord God, we thank you this morning as we've looked at this text, and we we just ask, Father, that uh, that we would be a people who desire to know you more and more, and that that desire is met by meeting you in your Word. And of course, in prayer, uh, that we would we would come to you, uh, that we would understand 
your workings in our life, that we would we would look into your word to understand how we are to function and how we are to deal with the world in which we find ourselves as sojourners. That we would glorify you in that respect and we would grow and grow and grow in our salvation. That we would typify you to a world that doesn't know you. That they might see you. That they might desire to know you. And, and that your name would be lifted and glorified. For we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.